0: Welcome to The Lens, hosted by Catalysis, where we get a
1: glimpse inside healthcare organizations that are transforming to a culture of improvement to deliver continually higher value outcomes for patients, staff, and communities. Visit createvalue.org for more information about Catalysis.
2: Welcome back to The Lens. I'm your host, Peter Maria Hazi. So returning in this episode as contributors to The Lens are Kim Keller, Mary Gailey Kayla. And Chelsea Camrud from Mount Sinai Morningside. Now, while recording their previous visit to the lens, I found out that each of them came from different industries with continuous improvement lean work. Specifically, Kim was at a food bank in New York City, a nonprofit. Mary worked at GE Medical in manufacturing, and Chelsea worked at Starbucks in hospitality. And this brought to mind that many of you, our listeners, and our healthcare improvement folks, came from a different industry. They're here today to share the similarities and differences they have experienced and what they learned. Mount Sinai Morningside is one of our Catalysis Healthcare Value Network members and is always gracious in sharing and learning from and with the catalysis community. Kim, Mary, Chelsea, thank you so much for joining us today. Just please share a quick snapshot of you and Mount uh, Mount Sinai Morningside and And, you know, get us back to that and and the transitions.
3: Mount Sinai Morningside is a community hospital in West Harlem. Uh, We uh, were in the epicenter of the COVID-19 pandemic. We have been a lean organization for about 10 years. We started with doing, uh, as most people do, with tools and value streams. And then we transitioned into daily management and coaching And we are really proud to say that we think the work that we've done has really permeated all levels of the organization. Um, We see evidence of it in nursing, in inpatient, ambulatory practices, and then the places that people don't think of when they think of a hospital the kitchen, the engineering team, the environmental services staff, uh, medical records, kind of the unsung heroes in, in the background. And so we welcome having folks from the catalysis network visit often to see what we're doing and how we're continuing to learn and grow.
1: You wanted us to introduce ourselves, right, Peter?
2: A little bit, yes. Yep.
1: All right. Uh, My name is Chelsea Cameron. I'm a process improvement manager here at Mount Sinai Morningside Hospital. As you mentioned, I come from Starbucks um, originally, but I've worked in Uh, hospitals for nine years today. Actually, I saw a reminder on Facebook that today was my first day of work um, at United Hospital in St. Paul when I started, uh, transitioned from uh, Starbucks to healthcare. Mary?
0: Hi Peter, thanks again for having me. Uh, I am Mary Galley. I have a Bachelor's in Industrial Engineering, a Master's in Supply Chain Management, I started my career, as you mentioned, in manufacturing at GE Healthcare in several different roles, ranging from sourcing to lean to supervisory, uh, running a particular department, Uh, and I was there for about eight years. Uh, And then I moved to uh, the hospital setting at Mount Sunday Morningside uh, just over four years ago, Uh, and I'm on the lean team as a process improvement manager.
2: Marvelous. Thank you all for sharing. So Let's let's start with some of the improvement work similarities in the industries you were in compared to your current work in healthcare. So, Kim, why don't you kick us off?
3: Sure. So I'm currently the director of process improvement at Morningside. And I transitioned into healthcare, I think it's about 15 years ago now, but I came from world of nonprofit, specifically hunger relief. So I was a director of member services at the food bank for New York City. And I stumbled into continuous improvement. It's kind of accidentally. I was asked to cover a meeting for my boss, and the meeting was the Toyota System Support Center, which is a nonprofit arm of Toyota that teaches the Toyota production system. Had contacted the food bank to say we like to teach this methodology. How can we help you? And we had said. There's a 90,000 square foot warehouse in the Bronx where we store all of the food that we receive. Um, You could take a look there. And it turned out the warehouse was running pretty well. So then we said, well, we run a soup kitchen in Harlem and people wait in line over an hour for food. And so that is how I learned continuous improvement. I went and did what I learned was a Gemba visit, we uh, looked at currently what was happening, we drew process maps, we looked for Kaizen points, and so I think a lot of the similarities are the thinking and the logic, and also that you were coming from a place of how do we create a process that serves people with dignity and respect, because you were dealing with people who are food insecure, and who are coming with their families, either for a hot meal or to take a pantry bag to go home with them. Uh, In some of the process changes that we were doing, we would look at waste through the lens of, well, what if somebody receives this bag and it's an item that they don't eat or it's something that they're allergic to? And one of the things that they really taught that I found useful to think about was that your conceiving of ideas should be entirely separate from your judgment of those ideas. And I think that enabled a lot of creativity in people thinking about how do we manage the soup kitchen line so that we can serve people faster, but maintain that dignity? Or how do we set up a food pantry so that the clients could come in and have the experience like a grocery store? So you can have aisles that you could shop, you know, even though the items were free and choose what you wanted and know that if I like elbow pasta better than spaghetti, I can make that choice just because I am experiencing hunger or food insecurity in that moment. It shouldn't be taking away that experience of the customer and and what would be valuable to them.
2: Thank you, Kim. I love the, I love the Addressing the thinking that you know it's it's how do you conceive of this, and and having an impact on those and and those changes you make definitely have you know a life impact on those that you're serving just like in healthcare. So, Chelsea, how about you?
1: I feel like I need to go work in <laughs> banking now. <laughs> that is compelling. Um, so, as I mentioned, I worked at Starbucks. I was a store manager uh, right as they started their lean journey. Um, so really received a lot of uh, improvement work, which gives me a lot of empathy for our managers who are receiving our team and our, our methodology and our teaching. Um, I think a big similarity is a relentless focus on the customer. So when you're in hospitality, you don't have work to do unless your customers show up. No different than in a hospital, we don't have work to do unless our patients show up. Um, and I think in both of those industries, uh, we are really committed to the art and the magic of how we do things. So a little bit of a rejection of bringing this manufacturing, uh, these manufacturing tools to us, um, when what we do is magic and and you can't turn us into robots. Um, I think wall street journal actually published in 2009, if I have that right, an article on, uh, Starbucks and how they were turning the baristas into robots and your coffee is going to be terrible. Um, and then just, the seeing the light in people's eyes when actually having standard work makes it easier to connect with the people that you're uh, serving and makes it way less stressful of your job if you're not trying to every day decide how do I do this task, uh, but can get into the routine of how do I do do my work? How do I have standards Um, so that I can achieve the customer outcomes that I'm looking for? Um, So I think those are maybe sort of a surprising similarity and difference.
2: I can honestly say, I would have never thought in terms of, you know, how the magic happens, right. But if you think of the patient or the customer at Starbucks experience, you know, I'm still trying to figure out how you make the little patterns on the foam on top of the coffee. And, and it is how the magic happens. And, and a lot of times the patients don't understand that, but what do they care about? They care about the outcome and the result. And so that's a, that's a great analogy. So Mary, Many of our listeners are going to be familiar with GE Medical and actually here in Wisconsin is where you, you know, we're based that that you work. So what are some of the similarities you've seen?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, similar to what Kim and Chelsea shared, like the lean concepts and principles are really consistent across the industries. So you don't necessarily need to be an expert in the work of the industry that you're working in uh, to be able to improve that work. So for example, in manufacturing and healthcare, um, I worked at several different sites. Uh, one site that I worked at for uh, quite a bit of time, uh, we built a very complex CT machine. Uh, and I don't necessarily know how the machine or weld or the science behind micron specification. Um, and similar to manufacturing to healthcare, I don't necessarily know how to be a nurse or a doctor or a pharmacist, but. I do know how to solve problems, and I know how to teach people to think critically, and those are really consistent across the industries. And those are the things that we really, you know, value and do as our everyday job. So, um, of course, in these industries, I'm interested in learning more about, you know, the inter- intricacies of a um, how a CT machine might work, or you know, how we heal a particular illness, or kind of that process. But uh, I don't necessarily need to be an expert in any of those things to be able to ask the right questions and get the staff to think of their own kind of solutions.
2: You know, that that very much reinforces the philosophy of creating an organization of problem solvers, right? You 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 are not to have all the answers. And so you're saying welding is another form of the magic that Chelsea was talking about, right? It's just kind Absolutely. of a mystery. Yeah. But it's helping them with the thinking so they can solve their own problems because you're leaving capability. Okay. So let, let's look at the other side of the coin. What are the differences you picked up on?
1: Uh, yeah. So I can start with that one. Um, I think in healthcare, one of the things that's shocking to me compared to coming from a for profit business, coming into all the healthcare organizations I've been in our nonprofit, Um Sort of the lack of intentionally designed systems. Um, I think when you're running a business, you you have to to be profitable. You're really looking at everything all together all the time. Um, and healthcare, that's just not it's not how it's grown up. Um, so the silos are more defined. They're like deeply embedded in the culture of all the different roles and sort of the hierarchies within it. Um, and I feel like it's rare to find somebody who looks at it as needing to be a sustainable business in addition to, it, it's happening now with trends in healthcare, but but historically it hasn't been that sort of overarching, how is my business running and how are we all working together? Um, and then how are we purposefully designing things to be successful? I think there's so much competition between med devices and pharmaceutical companies that it makes everything really sort of The tools and equipment for the frontline teams to do their job really butt heads um, because of that. Um, And so so I think it would be interesting to just wipe it all out and start over. If we designed a perfect system, how would it be different to create a reliable environment or create things that are easy to work with? I feel like I watch nurses so often with like 10 different things beeping at them. Um, and the things that they have to drown out just because that's how the things work. Um, it, it feels like it's very different than how you would design uh, a system, um, in a business. I always sure. think about my, my documentation at Starbucks, when I ring things in also managed my inventory. So when I give somebody a med, how is, and I'm documenting it. How is that not also managing my inventory system and just everything's so disparate.
2: Well, and I think that's an interesting observation about this transition in healthcare, you know, from this nonprofit mindset to now, wait a minute, we've got to pay attention to some of these things because, you know, quite frankly, the world is changing. So it's so Mary, obviously GE Medical is manufacturing, but serving the medical industry, you specifically mentioned C T scanners. What differences come to mind for you? Yeah,
0: so and again, this is just my experience, but in manufacturing I found it a bit more challenging to teach the concepts but a little bit easier to implement a solution because you're generally dealing with a much smaller group of people Uh, but in healthcare i almost think it's easier to teach the principles but a little bit harder to implement the changes because oftentimes you're working with such a multi-departmental group that it's harder to really get everybody on the same page um, and even just to get feedback from them like how can i even listen to how the change worked or didn't. Um, There's at least five or six different, not just people, but different roles that you have to connect with. And in those roles, a few different people to connect with. So that I found a little bit more challenging.
2: So I'm going to challenge you and just take it one step further. So what are some of the things, maybe give us one specific example of something you've learned on how to do that? Because you're right, the different perspectives. We want a systemic development of solution but you're dealing with potentially, like you said, five, six, seven different roles. What what are some things or maybe one example you can share with the listeners that you've learned that has helped you with that?
0: Sure. So I'm actually uh, recently working on a Kaizen event with one of the units uh, where we're implementing um, a weekend discharge change. So how can we improve weekend discharges, which involves all of the different roles. There's a lot that goes into actually discharging the patient, which I'm sure a lot of the listeners are already aware of. Um, So one thing that I think really helped connecting uh, each of those different roles is that we had each role in the Kaizen events and we had those people kind of lead the charge for their particular group, as well as meeting with the directors so that they can ensure consistency uh, for however long we're going to pilot. We decided about a month. Uh, to make sure that the people who are working on the unit consistently and the people who are working on the weekends are at least informed of what is being done differently. And then given specific questions on, you know, what we're looking for, the type of feedback uh, to better understand how, how it went. Um, and we're still learning. It's still a learning experience. We had some pitfalls, some successes, uh, but overall that's, uh, that's has been helping a lot.
2: Wow. Great example. So Kim, what, what, you're serving people who, as you said, are food insecure. You were um, who were food insecure, similar to healthcare, where patients need to be healthy. What was different for you making that transition?
3: So, not all, but many of the there are about a thousand food pantries and soup kitchens that I oversaw as members of the Food Bank for New York City. Many of them are run by and staffed by volunteers, and so kind of what Chelsea was describing, they didn't think of what they were doing as a business. So they didn't often think about how do I make the environment work for me versus I'm in this borrowed space, usually from a church or a community organization that's you know letting me use this room to do this service work that I want to do. And so not only would you have inconsistency maybe, of who you are actually going to be meeting with to try and do improvement work because they're volunteers. So one day it could be, you know, like a corporate group volunteering. Another day, it could be somebody from the community. The people who are running it themselves were usually volunteers. And so because they were coming at it from, well, we just want to help to be able to get them to step back and think, but the way that you're helping the help is the end result. It's an artifact of a process. What does that process look like? Um, I think people got really pulled into the, but we just want to help. We don't really want to think about what's going into how we're helping. Uh Um, And the, the work that I did after it was successful at the soup kitchen that we ran, which it used to be, you waited about 78 minutes online, outside to get a meal. And we got it down to 18 minutes. So with the Toyota System Support Center, then they said, all right, let's pick a food pantry or a soup kitchen in each of the five boroughs. And we created a training curriculum together. So then we would teach them the lean methodology, all of the thinking that we've been talking about, grasp the current condition, understand your pain points and your gaps, come up with ideas, PDCA, and we would uh, partner with them as they went through these kind of mini Kaizen events on their own and one of the the challenges that they found was it would be like a deadline to get back to the Toyota support system okay what was your baseline data that you collected Oh, well, I didn't collect any today because you know the volunteer who was going to help me didn't come so that, that has the... got
2: to be a unique challenge with the volunteers because you know so many organizations they're just happy to have the volunteer and now you're trying to teach them, Hey, we can serve more and better if we can do these things. So let's work on this together. Right. Wow. Interesting. Boy, this is, this is, this is cool. So what are some of the key learnings each of you were getting up while you were getting up to speed in healthcare? How did that work, Mary? Yeah.
0: So I guess one, one thing of a, key learning is that you really need to speak the language of healthcare. Um, So of course, like be confident in, you know, what you know and the concepts and that they apply everywhere, but at the same time, maybe not speak the same way you would, you know, read online or in a textbook about lean or even how I would speak to um, a team in manufacturing, really speaking the healthcare language is very helpful. Uh, If I could just give one uh, kind of story or anecdote, Uh, We were teaching, uh, we teach a bronze belt course uh, where uh, folks come and learn how to solve their own problems and get assigned a coach along the way. And I remember in one of the classes, we had an open position on our our lean team. And in one of the classes, I remember uh, one of the directors said, well, just make sure you get somebody from healthcare because the people who don't know healthcare don't know anything and we can't, you know, it's very challenging to get them up to speed and things like that and i knew that this gentleman didn't know that i actually wasn't from healthcare so then i challenged him and said you know actually i didn't come from healthcare and i think the people who do who are in in healthcare and have studied in healthcare and been there their whole lives they really think that only other people in healthcare can understand the processes and how they work when in reality a process is a process really we just need to understand how to improve in general, which is kind of our job. And then um, a way to kind of remedy that is that, you know, I, I don't talk that much about being from manufacturing. If it comes up, I'll mention it, but it's not really something that I feel helps my, uh, you know, relationship building or communication. Uh, it's really just understanding how they speak and kind of, you know, changing how I share information to, Make it more applicable for them.
2: So, how long did it take you to learn all the acronyms? Because it seems like in healthcare, everything is an acronym.
0: <laughs> yes, everything is an acronym. Um, I wouldn't even say now that I know all the acronyms, um, but I think it's it's okay. And all of the roles know that they know their role very well, and all of the other roles they still have questions about. So, you know, I I learned as much as I could as soon as I could, but if I have questions along the way, people are more than willing to to answer them as long as you're honest about what you know and don't know.
2: Great. Kim, what got you up to speed?
3: So I agree with Mary, there is definitely a learning curve with the alphabet soup. Um, But I, I think being able to resonate with what is the purpose that we're trying to do right before I transitioned into healthcare Uh, Hurricane Sandy happened. And um, I quickly, I was still at the food bank and I quickly became part of the mayor's task force and working with the Red Cross. And there was just an influx of resources coming in that had to be distributed and shared to some of these areas that were incredibly devastated. And we worked with Toyota and utilized the lean methodologies that we had learned to figure out okay, The food pantry itself, you know, in the Rockaways is now underwater. How do we take a parking lot and a tractor trailer and manage to take all of these resources that have been given to us and been given out? So, in healthcare, what is the urgency of what we're trying to do? Who is it that we're trying to serve? And so, being able to transition that to engage people into what is not working and how could we do it in a better way. Uh, And also being able to balance the autonomy of the clinician and their own clinical judgment against, you can have that and it will work even better for you if you have a standard process that surrounds you to be able to utilize your clinical judgment and care for people.
2: Wow. So you literally got thrown into the floodwaters.
3: Yes. Yes. I actually was supposed to start at the, the first hospital that I was working at um, I think it was uh, the, the Monday after Sandy happened was supposed to be my first day and I called them up and said I would still really love to take this position and I can't come right now. Uh, and and they were in the process of absorbing a hospital and their patients and staff that had been flooded and, and closed in Long Beach. And so they, they said, OK, us two, you know, let's reconvene in two months. And so I was able to stay in, in my current role and really uh, help navigate
1: all of that.
2: Wow. So, Chelsea, what got you up to speed?
1: I'm thinking about so many things right now based on what Mary and Kim have said. Um, But really thinking about the first hospital I worked in, um, I think some things I saw and valued right away were the um, sort of heart of the leadership team. Um, And so I think recognizing the human piece of what we do, and Kim got to that a little bit with there's a balance of the the art of medicine and like I want to be here so that you people who know how to do things to make me better when I need it can do that more effectively. Um recognizing that, allowing the space for that, um, seeing that in in other people, especially in leadership teams these days with so staffing shortages can be really stressed. Um, but recognizing that most people who work in healthcare got here because they really want to help help people and take care of them. Um, I think is really important. If you if you come in ready to go with all your manufacturing or or technical process improvement tools, and you skip that step or don't pause to recognize that and recognize the stress that that can put on people, um, you can kind of be get into that robot with the tools versus the helping them really genuinely improve.
2: Um, and
1: I had a was had an amazing leadership team in my first organization, so I really saw that model from our, from the top down. Um,
2: that's a great perspective. So, for any of you, is do you have any advice for you know we have listeners who maybe they just transitioned into healthcare from another industry. So, any any other advice uh, that you can you can give them to get themselves up to speed?
3: I think Mary started to touch on this, but it's really useful to leverage your newness. We talk all the time about it's important to have fresh eyes and to look at a a process um, from outside being in the work. And that's very easy to do when you genuinely don't know what that acronym means or what this department even does. And I still do that to this day, even if I have a little bit more knowledge, I'll kind of play at, you know, wait a minute, I'm not clinical, tell me about that. And then you can learn so much more than if people assume you already know what they're talking about and they don't give as much detail or you don't see really the full picture. So I think not being afraid to kind of play that card like, I am new to healthcare. I don't know anything. Talk to me about this as if I was in kindergarten to help me understand.
2: Fantastic. That's a, you know, the don't be afraid to ask questions and don't be afraid to, you know, be vulnerable, quite frankly, is something we teach, you know, from a behavior standpoint. Wow. Chelsea?
1: Yeah, I think um, I was thinking back, reflecting on it being my first day of my first job in healthcare. Uh, One of the interview questions uh, a nurse on that team asked me was basically, somebody comes to you with a problem, where are you going to start to solve that? And and being new and barely having been in a hospital before that, I said, well, I think I would. Go talk to the people who actually do the work um, to learn more about that. And so I just think uh, you can't underestimate the value of going to the place that people work, which is obviously something we teach in lean. But then especially if you're brand new in a new environment, if you have downtime, go spend two hours with somebody who's a transporter, go spend some time with a nurse, go really get to know a doctor and can I follow you around for a few hours and can you explain to me what you do and how you make decisions Um, can really help with learning. Those acronyms can really help with learning what all the different roles do because there are so many. Um, And again, getting to that heart of what people do it. If you can start putting human faces on uh, here are the roles and here's a person I know who does this work and why they do it. I think that's, that's really helpful.
2: You know, and all of you have touched on the importance of connections to those doing the work, right, as being newness. And and Chelsea, you put something very well. Also, people like to be teachers, right? They like to be seen as experts. So if you're the one learning from them, that increases that connectivity and they understand you're there not to tell them what to do, but to learn from them and help them do it better. So Mary, any 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 other advice you have for somebody new?
0: yeah uh actually it connects a lot to what chelsea just shared um and it was uh one of those similarities i thought between manufacturing and healthcare and really i think this conversation shows really anywhere uh when implementing lean is that building relationships is just so important however you do that um it absolutely going to the Genva is so helpful in building relationships asking questions have them kind of be that teacher as you alluded to uh but really just like even learning about themselves personally, like where do they live, or are they from the area, or you know what's their favorite restaurant, especially in Manhattan, that's like prime prime question. Um, so I think just you know getting to know them as people can be very helpful, no matter what level of the organization they're in, no matter what their role is. Just um, realizing that they are a person and have a role that you're interested in, and have a process that that you're interested in, but Um, can still
2: connect in other ways. Fantastic. So any final thoughts you want to share with the listeners, any of you? Jump ball.
3: I think that we talk all the time when we teach classes about continuous improvement, that it will work in any industry because the thinking is all the same. And so It's really refreshing as we just had this conversation to hear the evidence of that from so many different industries, because when I was thinking about what to share, especially about the differences question, I found so many more similarities than differences in what the work is, regardless of what the industry is and the method that you would use and the importance of those tools to look for ways to solve problems and the balance of what is the culture that you're creating. Uh, So there's more similarity than differences, I think, regardless of the industry that you're in.
1: I think Mary kind of said it earlier, but when I get a little bit of imposter syndrome, I really pause to think about what Kim just said, like this thinking, the structure, this is a science. It works. It works all the time you will always learn something, even if whatever you applied doesn't get the results you're after. Um, and so I, f- I feel like I can get in my own head a little bit and and just like pausing to have that reflection uh, is is really helpful, especially when you're new to a new organization. Um, I know transitioning from my old health system to here, I was like, I came in being like, I've done all these things. I've just sold you on how great I am. Oh crap. I better be able to actually follow through and and do it. And, um, and then COVID happened and everything got a little scary, but it was fine.
0: (laughs) Uh Yeah. Just to touch on what Chelsea shared. um, I definitely agree. I think, I think it's really about, you know, feeling confident in the, the lean methodology that, you know, and believe in, and at the same time being humble enough to know that you don't know everything. And to know that other people have the answers and it's you not, it's your job not to necessarily have the answers, but to kind of get that out of them. Um, and I, I think that that mindset is very helpful.
2: Great. That's a, that's a wonderful way to end. So Kim, Mary, Chelsea, we always appreciate you taking the time to talk to us and sharing your expenses. Thank you all. Thank you. And as always, we appreciate you all for listening. If you have any suggestions for us or topics you would like to hear, please email us at events at createvalue.org. And if you want to learn more about rounding out your knowledge of lean improvement in healthcare, visit us at createvalue.org. We've we've made available our white papers, articles, blogs, obviously this podcast on The Lens, any other resources to help you in your journey to transformation. And The Lens is produced by Heidi Betzinger, Nicole Christensen, and Angela Brubaker. Thank you and hope you have a great day.
1: Thank you for listening. Visit catalysis.org to learn more about catalysis and how we can inspire you to accelerate change in your organization.